Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. I'm sitting here with my good buddy, Falco Brando. <laughs> I have no I have no reply to that. And uh, you're here with good old Jackie Jamesy. Nice. Coming back from our good old Jacques Cousteau birthday celebration. Hey, Brando, um, we have to give a shout out to the people. Okay. We haven't done this in a while. Giving a shout out to the people? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the Great Dive Podcast listenership has just been rocking. Interesting. And we have to give a big shout out to the people of the all time. It's it's been such a climb in listenership lately that it has completely taken over not even the, the recent listenership top listening location, but the all time top listening location for Great Dive Podcast. Shout out to the people over in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. We are huge everywhere. There's no water and no diving. <laughs> well, Columbus is uh, home of Columbus Scuba, which is aren't they part owner of the quarry? Yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a big, uh, it's a it's a big town for for Ohio, I guess. Columbus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big town. There's a there's a few there's a few dive shops down there, so it's, it's a booming. Booming metropolis in many ways. It's the old home of uh, or HQ for AOL, America Online, for you old internet folks. And uh, anybody under the age of 30 that was listening, <laughs> that, that now is hung up and deleted, we thank you. We thank you for, uh, for the time you were with us. But now that you realized, and speaking of thank yous to the, to the people, I got, we got to give a shout out to the, we've got a couple of a new really Really nice reviews, Brando, over at Apple Podcasts. Well, that's nice. It's nice to get a nice review. It really is. It's uh, it's better than getting a, a little stick in the yeah, eye. Exactly. <laughs> Are they five stars? Five stars. This is uh, from H Lot Twenty. Five stars. It says classic dive talk. It is classic dive talk. It's it, this is. Not new dive talk. This is classic. Well, there's dive talk. There, there's neo dive talk. There's what would we call the uh, historical dive talk, and then there's classic. I think you'd call it. It's, you know, it's I think like, you'd call it historical dive talk. Okay, historical. There's neo. <laughs> there's historical dive talk, and then there's classic, which is just the dive talk from that hits all the classic points of diving. It's it's like uh, it's like we are like the classic rock station. We're ninety four point seven WCSX. <laughs> Of <laughs> dive talk. It's way better than delusional dive talk. Well, there's a lot of that out there. There's delusional talk on every aspect of being on this planet, but in the diving world, it's something we, we can identify, we know about. Delusional dive talk. HLOT20 says, I've been listening to this podcast for the past year. During this time, I have listened to over 100 of the episodes. James and Brando, week in and week out, bring insightful commentary and hilarious banter about the articles and topics they talk about. Hilarious. He, he, P.S. I'm divorced. My children left me. <laughs> it's changed my life. Well, hilarious banter is, that's not bad. They picked up on the hilarious banter. We didn't just get banter. See, every now and again, I think our jokes get a little stale. But now that I know that their hilarity is ensuing, 
We shall keep them up. And we got another one from Big Ben 3535 who says, Great scuba podcast, five stars. This was from a couple weeks ago. He says, I have now listened to every episode up to number 321. I guess I liked it. I guess. <laughs> I'm I'm parked outside of James's house right now. <laughs> he says James and Brando provide a great mix of facts, opinions informed by experience, and humor. There we go again with the uh humorous banter. Which is what we started this whole podcast about. True. You know, remember remember that day, you know, years ago when I said, Hey Brando. You want, you want to start a podcast? And you said, what the hell's a podcast? You kids and your podcasts. And I go, it's 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 like what we do when we go to the pub after diving, but we got a, a recorder. And uh, we put it we put it out in the air for everyone to hear. Did you hear the these jokes? These jokes are just writing themselves. We, we can't be the only ones that get to hear this. We have to send this out to the world. Yeah, we have to share the gift that we've been given. I remember I said it wouldn't last a couple weeks, but I'm wrong. Here we are. Here we are. Five years later. <laughs> and the listenership is well on its way, I must say, for another yearly increase. You know, last year, you know, we had over 200,000 listens to the show. Here, you know, we're already, you know, in June, we're already over half of that. So we should be. I would hope we're over half of that because June is halfway through the year. The end of June. We're we're (laughs) still in the beginning of June. (laughs) Okay. 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 I like it. But, hey, until we have, you know, 6.5 billion listeners we aren't going to stop till we have every single human being on this planet listening to the great until until we can look look at joe rogan and just go ha 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 great time podcast joe rogan you should have thought of going into scuba diving podcast uh but we couldn't do it without the people i guess is what i'm really trying to get at brandon you know, so shout out to all of you Agreed. listeners of the Great Die Podcast, all of you guys who have donated on our Patreon page, all you guys who have donated over at PayPal and, and bought stickers and T-shirts when we actually had a functional store that was store. easy to access and do business with. We just uh, it's it's stores too, gone into the back. It's of too the much work. Like, I know it's too much work. <laughs> well, it's, we it's, need. It's not even that it's a lot of work. It's that we don't have, we don't have the time. Our, it's more of the time you have to always be on it. Our fictional unpaid intern Tiffany needs a real unpaid intern. I was going to say the the reality of having a fictional unpaid intern really hits us hard when it comes to these tasks like maintaining a store and the logistics of that and the technical aspects as far as the website and all that and then the money aspect. Maintaining all that takes takes an unpaid intern. It takes about three of them. Let me ask you a question. What about the task of maintaining an unruly crotch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we... Uh, I haven't examined that too much, but... Come on, it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day weekend coming up this weekend. Dads and dive buddies. If you haven't gotten your dad or your dive buddy anything... Don't worry, everybody. 
that's where our sponsors of today's show, of every week of the, of the Great Dad Podcast, Manscaped, come in. Fathers need clean balls. They smooth absolutely balls. smooth balls. Smooth ball dad. Your, di- your, your, dive, <laughs> your dive buddy dads, you and I both know he needs some serious grooming in his life. Did you see him last last week? We're down to Corey trying to get ready to p- get into his dry suit, put that condom catheter on. It looked like he needed a machete. You need to clean up that dad bod. Yes. So grab your dads and your your, uh, your your dive buddies, your dive buddy dads in particular. The Performance Package 4.0, you know that uh, he'll thank you for helping him tame his beast. And it's a, win, it's a win-win situation for both mom and dad, if you know what Whoa. I mean. They don't ever do that stuff. <laughs> Haven't you ever been a kid? Your parents don't do that stuff. Go to manscaped.com, use the code TGDP for 20% off and free shipping. Just imagine, you know, surprising your dive buddy or your dad with a nice, sleek, well-designed, optimized grooming kit box showing up to the house. All beautiful marketing packaging with a big, uh, you know, marketing slogan on the side of it that says, your balls will thank you. I like the newspaper inside. It's like... At war with smooth balls or something. I can yes. the headline. <laughs> yeah, the, the newspaper in there is great. Yeah. Don't worry about getting your dad a tie or something, some socks, something stupid like that. Get your dad a gift that you know they're going to use. So uh, 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Use that code, everybody, TGDP. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls. <laughs> this year... <laughs> Show your original home some love with Manscaped. <laughs> it's time to go back home. Home for the holidays. Brando, I meeting. have <laughs> Brando, I have a story for the people today, and I know it's right up your alley. It's one of your most favorite topics. Balls and <laughs> No, it's reckless diving habits. And near-death bends incidences. Those are like on the opposite end of my favorite topics. I really <laughs> don't. I don't even include them in the top 100. Reckless diving accidents. When they, when they say reckless, it's like a borderline on uh, negligence kind of thing. Willful negligence. Is this? Are we getting into the legal aspects of diving? Uh, there, there might be a couple. Uh, what the fuck moments today? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Who yeah. would who would ever? There might be a couple. Why would yous? <laughs> Until you see stuff like that, you think it doesn't happen. But it sometimes stuff just is beyond explanation. Well, that is, you know, in the olden days, there was a lot of a historical days. In, in the historical, in the classic, <laughs> in the in the classic dive days, there was a lot of like, don't give a fucks. You know, you, it'll never happen to me. It's a, it's a lot of like being in your twenties and not yeah. like nothing could happen to me. There's still a lot of that out there. Oh yeah, yeah. It won't happen because there's still a lot of twenty year olds. Well, I see it in more than twenty year olds. I see twenty one. You're looking. You're looking right at me. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a. Uh, actually, you're the opposite of a. It can't happen to me. It won't happen to me. You're the opposite. You are. It's going to happen to me, so I better be ready. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially with my diving. 
Yeah. Only with I've your learned. Guys. I've learned exactly. I've learned. Only with only with <laughs> I've learned that there's one thing I'm going to try to be good at. I, I should stick with it and I do exactly. do that part right. Pick one thing. Anything else? Well, it's, you can't do everything. Everything else, so you know, one. I'm the first one to go. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> Why don't we strap this onto me? It'll work. I'm telling you, it'll work. Did you ever jump off a roof with the umbrella? Did you oh, ever do that? yeah. Into yes. a pi- into a pile the garage roof into a pile of leaves, thinking it's going to oh. be like just like going into a a swimming pool or, or something, yes. and and then you continue right through those leaves to the ground. Yeah, they didn't really really do much. It's, but it, when you're young and light, it's you know, not it's like it's easy. not like what the the cartoon, you know, yeah, made you made you think was going to happen, <laughs> but. <laughs> you you actually thought it's okay. You like watch Wiley Coyote, you know, plunge off a cliff. It's okay. He it's just a little dust ball at the end. Poof. Well, yeah. Poof. <laughs> Five seconds later, he's you know, chasing the Roadrunner again. Yeah, I never was uh, one to fall for. Like, oh, it worked in the cartoons, but but I did make up my you know evil Knievel doing jumps. If he could do it, I could do it. I I have the uh, I have the stitches, the scars from stitches, and uh-huh. the broken bones to remember the old attempting to copy <laughs> the evil Knievel days of building ramps and jumps. <laughs> we used to jump over my brother. Oh he yeah, would, he yeah. would lay uh, long ways on the sidewalk, and we'd ah, uh, those were the days. Experienced divers all too often overlook many of the basics that are really important. For example, <laughs> I'm thinking uh, uh, like a, a thought cloud is popping in my head right now. I'm like, I'm not so sure that's that's what an experienced diver should be doing. <laughs> well, they get complacent. I, I see what they're trying to say, but yeah, you're right. I'm an experienced diver, diver, an experienced the, diver uh, wouldn't do that. Yeah, but but yeah, I get it. So is it? Is it that you get experienced, you get some years under your belt, so you get complacent? Yeah. Or is it that I've been certified for ten years and don't really know what I'm doing yet? Well, <laughs> but because I've had the card, but because I've had the card for ten years, I got to tell everybody I'm an experienced diver. If you are one of the experienced that don't know what you're doing and don't know that you don't know what you're doing, well, that's a recipe right there for hilarity that will ensue. Let's see who. Uh, let's see which one this is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ten years of diving had made me careless, to say the least. <laughs> okay, well, we, we figured that out. Okay. I had become so confident of my ability that I felt I was exempt from doing those silly little things like, you know, like, like planning dives, checking my gear making deep dives first, or even keeping track of bottom time and surface intervals. I was also under the illusion that being in good shape would prevent me from ever getting hurt, or more specifically, from getting the bends. Well, I think it's nice, it's good to be in some semblance of physical condition. 
and that can help with uh, circulation, which helps in off-gassing, which means, you know, that mitigates risk for uh, DCS, but it doesn't guarantee you're not getting bent if you do stupid shit. <laughs> it Absolutely. has nothing to do with it, yeah. Absolutely, but on the other end of that, right, like often there, you know, you say many times in the past that diving is very forgiving, and a lot of times it, it is being reasonably in shape is what saves your ass, Where, whereas yeah. a lot of times it, it would have went the other way, but thank God I had, you know, uh, some decent cardiovascular ability, and this didn't, th- that downward spiral didn't add that into the mix to, to flush me down that much quicker true true it's definitely uh one of those things you want to have in your tool toolkit pull out when you need it but you don't need it often because it's so forgiving yeah but when you need it yeah you need it when you need it you need it yeah it's like you know the great days of diving like like remember those like just classic days of diving where you're on the water it's flat, calm. Everything's beautiful. You just, you just want to dive all day long and just. Yeah. You remember those good old fun days when you just had the time and the the. the They're gone. The don't They're all care. Gone. <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> yes. Oh, those are great. I mean, don't have a time constriction and uh, or time constraint, and the water's gorgeous. I had hair on my head. The wind was blowing through it. <laughs> Two beautiful women on my side, Uh, a refrigerator full of beers, fresh, fresh caught fish on the the grill. You're a typical man Sand between between my toes. You're a typical man, you know, booze. Sun in my eyes. Booze, sex, and food. It's all all you need, (laughs) booze, sex, and food. It's all a well-manscaped man needs. (laughs) On January 27th. 1991, my two brothers and I left Jupiter Inlet for a day of diving and fishing. The weather was cool and cloudy, but the ocean was as flat as a coffee table. Since there were only three of us, I would dive first, alone, then drive the boat while my brothers dived. The conditions were excellent that day, 100-foot visibility and very little current. The diving brando was so good, we decided to skip the fishing and just dive all day. Before noon, I'd made three dives, one to 90 feet and two to about 75 feet. All of them were alone and until I was out of air. When it came to bottom times or surface intervals, well... Who needs no, them? Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody was really keeping track. That's for the that's for the rookies. That that stuff's for the clowns. Hey, how long were you down? <laughs> Who, Who is this? Who is this guy? Are you the scuba diving police? What, what is this? How long were you down? <laughs> how deep? What are you doing? None of your goddamn business. It's none of your business. <laughs> It's not a mine either. It's not a mine either. I don't pay attention. What are you, a depthist? Ah, but I mean, that's what I, I guess what I mean by that. Just DGAF. <laughs> Here, sign my long logbook. DGAF. <laughs> don't give a fuck. You know, also, nowadays, with the um, prevalence of all dive computers and 
electronic gauges and all that that keep track of everything, it's really easy not even to pay attention to things like uh, surface interval. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, that I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I, th- I think that's one of the issues that the computer has really taken away from the average diver is is it's so easy to yeah, plan. You don't dives. even have to plan it. You just let the machine do it. You, you, right. I mean, a, a lot of people will look at you know us, you know, thinking through a dive, and keep in mind it takes yeah. thirty seconds to do like on the boat you know right before you jump in but even still like you get so many people still they're like when you why are you going through that you know your computer's gonna beep when you start getting low after three dives we went back to the marina to get lunch and fill our scuba tanks while i was loading the tanks My left shoulder started to hurt a little, but I passed it off as a pulled muscle, ignoring the pain. With our tanks full, we headed back out to sea for some deep diving. None of this 90 and 75 feet thing. Kids. Ah, that's that's for the kids. We do that in the morning. Nah, let's do some real diving. We'll breathe our tank down to nothing. What could go wrong? (laughs) It's uh, it's like those uh, potato chip commercials, right? <laughs> exactly. Go ahead, eat them. We'll make more. <laughs> you don't get rebates, Brando, on, on the gas you leave in the tank. You might as well use it all. That used to be like the mantra. <laughs> well, it was. I mean, it's and still today, you know, you you, you got the people that are. If you have three thousand psi in a bottle you're expecting to be able to use 2900 psi of it on the dive so if you look at the gauge at the beginning of the dive and there's only 2900 to start with (laughs) yeah you're gonna be bitching about but if you've got 3100 you got a great fill (laughs) you know oh all kinds of there yeah unless something goes wrong i mean the other side of it james is the is the inaccuracy of gauges as it starts to get lower and lower, it gets less accurate. You know, it's most accurate in that little middle range. Most of them, anyway. Right. It can still read 500, but only have 200 in it. That's what the red zone on the gauge is for, really. Right, yeah. It's not a, hey, you're getting low on air, don't go into this. You know, breathe it all the way till you get to this zone. Right, that's when you know you got it's time to come up. The red zone just means, hey, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't very accurate anymore. <laughs> right. F- FYI. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it gets a little dicey there. By 4 o'clock that day, I had made two more dives alone to... 180. <laughs> it's just like a roulette. It's like scuba roulette. Scuba. <laughs> to 150 feet. Completely draining an 80 cubic foot tank. Well, of course you would. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Both times. <laughs> yeah, it's a little reckless. This is a little reckless. Now, I know we've gotten a couple of one-star reviews over the years from, like, negative Nancy, Nancy's. PTA at Hotmail.com, you know, one-star <laughs> reviews. You negative know, for... <laughs> Nancy. Isn't it like Krabby Karen or something? <laughs> right. For, like, laughing and making jokes at 
you know, divers. But I don't think we're making fun of the diver per se. We're looking at, you know, a situation. We're looking at a way of thinking, or maybe I should say a way of not thinking, that, I mean, this is 30 years ago, but you still continue to see from time to time. And even at, you know, in the 90s when this takes place, for 50 years, like, they had been looking at, you know, why you shouldn't do something like this. So it's yeah, not this, the person that we're making fun of. Well, I think the attitude of blatant disregard for the very basics, I mean, that attitude of, of disrespecting the, the scuba, the art of scuba, the, the technology of scuba, that is where we're kind of chuckling. It's like you, you took your class, and did you decide, like, what they were teaching you was nonsense so you've normalized that over your 10 years that oh i can just dive all day and not pay attention to any of the times bottom times surface times or or gas management or was that or was that taught to you that, that i don't know that, that w- somebody let you believe that this was acceptable behavior i don't I, that i would hope teaching that's not someone the case. that would be willful negligence that would be on the part of the instructor, you know, the whole idea of doing something so completely wrong that could result in the injury or fatality of a, one of your students, that's negligent. That, that's prosecutable. That's insane. Well, I remember a story from my early days of, of diving. You know, my instructor telling me of one of, uh, one of his favorite students that came in that got bent, and he was asking her, you know, what happened? You know, and well, they were doing a couple of deep dives on their trip, you know, beyond beyond their training level. Yeah. You know, well, how? Okay. Hey, it's my cat coming in here with my wife. You have a goddamn cougar (laughs) for a cat? Exactly. Is is that a Michigan Panther you guys have adopted? (laughs) She thinks she's a cougar. So, Brando, I mean, I can remember hearing stories growing up of, I mean, it was Sasquatch. the norm. Of the, Sasquatch. Of, of the Sasquatch, <laughs> yes. It was the norm back then. But, but of divers that, you know, you push the limits a little bit, and it's okay. And as you push them a little bit more, and you push them a little bit more. And, yeah. You know, I, I came up with 1,000 PSI, and then guess what? And I just I missed. I missed the Manta swim by. So then the next dive, you know, I, I take it down to 800 PSI. And then I, I come up early, but everybody stayed right to the end, uh, you know, and I didn't get to see, you know, the, the shark that everybody gets to see. And, and so everybody starts pushing it right to the last possible minute. Yeah. A little bit well, further, a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. Uh, to, you know, to borrow from our, our friend Gareth at human factors that's a normalization of deviance you 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 do something to skirt the the rules that you've been taught that we know are established in the scuba community but you you skirt them nothing happens you're like this is just like kids you know when they test their boundaries you they do wait are we going they, are we going back <laughs> are we going back to the jumping off the roof with an umbrella well, it is Father's Day weekend, right? And we might yeah. as well learn, you know, parenting has a lot of this stuff in it where, you know, 
the kids are going to break the rules because they don't know consequences of breaking rules. And unless you teach them, when you fuck up, bad things happen. It doesn't happen every time is the thing. So when they fuck up and they don't get caught or nothing bad happens, they're like, Mom and Dad are fucking liars, man. So now they've got a, a cool new thing they can do that's against the rules, which gives them a little extra you know, incentive to be that, – that need to be a rebel when you're young, right? I don't do, know. Is it in this Cuba community? Do you prefer <laughs> psychological or physical punishment? Yes. <laughs> By all means. <laughs> no. No. Come on. I, uh... <laughs> but but you got I approach parenting and did from the very beginning is I have one job and it's to teach these people to, to be decent and, you know, make a difference and be, be something in the world. So in order to teach, basically it's karma you're teaching. There's cause and effect. There's consequences for every decision you make. And uh, if you don't allow them to feel the consequences, they'll believe there are no consequences, and they'll do stupid shit. And it's the same thing with diving. It, absolutely, you've never felt yeah. the consequences, I'm, I'm with you. And, and yeah. for a lot of times, you know, it was don't talk about the bad stuff. Well, exactly. Can't say the D word. Um, all that stuff, which is... Those are real consequences. Those those are real possibilities. So you need to address them in in especially in open water one oh one as you're teaching, you need to address the fact like when you fuck up, bad things can happen. It doesn't mean they will, and if they don't, you just missed it. That's all. It's coming. The it, roulette wheel doesn't you know, the odds are in the house's favor as far as fuck up goes. Well, the house always wins. There are consequences for your actions especially underwater and I agree with you for you know the way the way you're talking about parenting children is a lot the way of of teaching scuba. You you have to enlighten them to the reality of you can make any decision you want. Like there was a time where I told, you know, I having this discussion with my wife of like you can't just like go to the surface. And she says, yeah, yes, I can. <laughs> but you can. I'm like, no, you can't. And she's like, well, yes, I can. I'm like, all right, well, I guess you're right. You can go to the surface, but. That's an option. <laughs> but you're going to pay. You're going to pay for that decision. Well, exactly. There's one, you know, it's just choice of words, and you're getting into sem- semantics there. Yes, fucking up is one of the choices. Is that, let's not choose that wait, one. Wait, the, but there's no there's no <laughs> e on my on the. I've got a b c d. There is no e fucking up on the test. There should be. Anyone who knows diving would probably say I deserve to die. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a little. That's a little. Uh, See now, somebody's going to give us a one star because you laughed about somebody dying. Real nice, Brandon. No, it, it was funny. <laughs> But he said, I mean, who who goes to that end of the spectrum? Like, oh, he broke the rules. He deserves to die. No, no, he's just skirting some scuba rules. He's not a doesn't necessarily mean he's a horrible person and needs to be executed. He, or does he? Well, he says <laughs> he says, but this really wasn't an unusual profile for myself and my brothers. The schmucks. You don't deserve to die, but you are a schmuck. <laughs> You're kind of a schmuck. I mean, this wasn't unusual. We usually played with our Legos in the middle of traffic as a child, too. It's not unusual. It's not smart. It's not a good thing to do. 
Becoming this insane, however, is a slow process. Right? You, first, you start playing with the Legos in the driveway. <laughs> you got to Then, yeah, then you move out. to the curb. It's, it takes a while. It's a slow process to get the, the Legos entrance, out of the middle yeah. of the street. Well, a freeway entrance is a half mile away. That's years. It's years of work to get there. Something to be proud of once you do. He says, I had been continually stretching the limits over the years and getting away with it. After diving profiles like that for years... You can see why I thought the tables didn't apply to me. I, tables? Tables, schmables. Tables are for the little people. <laughs> tables, schmables, I always say. <laughs> I used to justify my reckless diving by thinking that the no decompression limits have been made very conservative on purpose. They're not really limits. They're more like guidelines. Can you, yeah, uh, a, can I borrow, hey, can I borrow your no decompression <laughs> suggestions? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ideas of no decompression times that might work, might not work. But he says he thought that they were, you know, made overly conservative with, you know, just the novice diver in mind. Not me. I'm a pro. Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> well, I think we talk about, I mean, this little aspect of diving community personas is prevalent to this day and that's the uh, ego driven scuba diver well th there's a lot of that right i mean the, the ego here like it can't happen to me the ego of i'll do any dive because i want it in my logbook you know regardless of whether i'm ready to dive it or not or have the gear to dive it or not or like i'm just going to go there to be there so i can say that i've done something that somebody else hasn't yeah yeah that's it's still still pretty uh, prevalent Back at the marina again, we washed the boat and headed home. Except for my shoulder, I was feeling great, as only a day of diving would make you feel. Damn straight. Good day of diving. Five dives. Two of them to 150 feet. After three, after three other ones. <laughs> That's a pretty rough dive profile. Even if you do everything right, I mean, it's, it's tough on the old body. Absolutely. To do that. Yeah. And, and, and this, you know, back in the 90s, you know, they were 150 feet shooting right up to maybe, maybe to 15. Right. And safety stuff. That's if they were, that's if they were <laughs> safe divers on air, working their asses off. Everything you say right there is all so tough on the body. It just keeps adding and adding. So to really do a, a clean decompression, it's a lot of time you'd need, and you would need oxygen. You'd need a, a bunch of cleanup there. Exactly, and that's what I mean. Going deeper later in the day isn't so bad as the not coming up at the end of all of this, yeah, and really cleaning your body up. Right, yeah. That that end of that day ascent should have been like, you know, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, right. <laughs> Halfway home, however, I started feeling dizzy and a little nauseous. I attributed this to some Gatorade that I had while cleaning the boat. You know, it, it was yellow it, it, yellow Gatorade. It had been sitting there for months. It was in Billy Joe's truck <laughs> <laughs> after he did that long trip. <laughs> this, this yellow Gatorade it tastes... It's a little tangy. It, 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 it tastes a little funny. It's, I mean, it looks, it looks like lemon lime, but it doesn't... <laughs> 
Steve, this doesn't taste like lemon lime, Steve. Oh, it's not lemon lime. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. He says, I pulled my car off the side of the road, and my symptoms got worse by the second. Suddenly, I lost all feeling in the left side of my body. I crawled out of the car to throw up, and the whole world seemed to be spinning. Um, He's getting multiple hits <laughs> all at once. What is in this Gatorade? <laughs> a minute later, I fell in front of the car, unconscious. Luckily, one of my brothers was with me. As it had been more than two hours since my last dive, my brother was confused by my ailments. I awoke later in the hospital in Jupiter, Florida, where some unknowing doctor diagnosed my sickness as hyperventilation and had me breathing in a paper bag. Did he not say, hey, I've been diving all day, and here's my profile? And this is Florida, where diving in the ER, diving injuries are... A dime a dozen. Well, you would, I I guess that's a a good discussion too, right? Like just running into a hospital with with issues and symptoms uh, and just assuming that the doctor's going to know that, oh, you were scuba diving, you've had a bunch of bad profiles. The doctor should have asked this too. Like, what what you been doing today? You would, I would as a medic. Yeah, you would certainly hope so. What you've been eating, you know, he's throwing up, he's got vertigo, he, he has a, a sinkable episode, which is just passing out. Here, breathe, breathe in this bag and really enrich that carbon dioxide. <laughs> he said, I later learned that this was like giving cigarettes to a lung cancer patient. <laughs> it's kind of an extreme analogy, but. <laughs> he says, luckily my brother knew better. And after a heated discussion with the doctor, threw me back in the car and took me to St. Mary's Hospital in West Palm Beach, where I awoke again. When I awoke again, I was in the hyperbaric chamber at St. Mary's with Dr. Louis James. Fucking Louis James. Lou. Lou J. He's old Lou J. I mean, if you're going to be a victim of a wild Benson, you want Dr. LJ with you. Uh, On your side, in the chamber with you. Dr. James and I spent the next five days, six hours a day, in the hyperbaric chamber. This is where the love story begins, (laughs) isn't it? I I didn't know it, but I was slowly falling for him. I'm assuming Lou Lou J is a man. I learned learned to respect the soft (laughs) touch of his hand. The chamber became our, our little love abode. <laughs> the chamber became like my my honeymoon suite. The deep timber of his voice as he guided me through the decompression process of table six. The background of the hissing gas entering the chamber as I descended. <laughs> was like he whispered in my ear, hold on tight, Anthony. How to ruin a story. <laughs> Is it, anybody still there listening to us, idiots? Okay. Uh, it was very embarrassing recounting my crazy dive profile. 
<clears throat> it was very embarrassing recounting my crazy dive profile to Dr. James as I really did know better. He even asked in all seriousness if I'd ever heard of the no decompression limits. Well, yeah. A diving doc definitely would look at this going, what the f this was blatant uh, stupidity to a certain degree. This is just thumbing your nose at the uh, at science, right? Right. It, I mean, and there's, I mean, I guess if you want to break it down, I mean, there, there's really, I, I would say it's a little aggressive, but you could do five dives in a day yeah, like this. Yeah, you can. It's just not in the manner. But... You have to keep track and you have to cl clean up. You can't. Just pop down on air and come back up on air and use it all up down there and just, hey, I'm back. <laughs> You've got to come up correctly. Yeah. You've got to clean up. You have to decompress. It's a real thing. Yes, it's a real thing. And just because you haven't been hit with a, a, a DCS doesn't mean it, it can't or won't happen when you break the law. Yeah, and trying to do it all on the same gas that you breathed when you were down at depth. We know better now. Yeah. That alone, we know better, let alone just, like, pop it up because you ran out of air because you sucked every last goddamn breath out of that aluminum 80 tank. A lot of ignorance going on here because I, I have to imagine this person doesn't know about nitrox and... Uh, switching gases to to speed up the decompression elimination of the inert gas kind of thing. I, it, they know nothing about right, it. Right, yeah, you know, especially, you know, f coming from a, a story from the mid-'90s. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, everybody was just gra going to the dive shop. Nitrox was out there, right? Yeah, it, it was out there, it was especially down in, you know, Florida. Southern Florida, you know, the, the HQ. One of the one of the HQs yeah. of, of Nitrox, you know, certainly for Dick Rakowski's yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's there. But again, he's been diving from the eighties, man. It's fucking eighties. Dude, we the dive is awesome. We don't need no uh, silly stuff. I got my <laughs> Back in the eighties, you didn't need any of this sciencey stuff. Through the chamber treatment. I regained the feeling in my whole body, but still couldn't stand on my own. The world seemed to always be spinning. And after five days, chamber treatments weren't helping anymore, and I was sent home to heal. Getting my equilibrium back seemed to take forever. To gauge my recovery, I would try riding my bicycle every morning. It took a full month before I could ride it 10 feet without falling down. It was two months before I could return to work. For a long while, I thought I'd never function normally again. It'd be a little scary, you know, that that vertigo. He's taking a, a, probably a vestibular hit kind of thing and tough one to, to ride out. Yeah, no kidding. It's, um, I mean, I, I, I know somebody that had a hit like that on a boat. I, I just, you know, dive, down diving, working as a diver, you know, dive masters doing, you know, the five dives a day thing, you know, morning boat, afternoon boat, and then had a hit. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a wicked one to take. Yeah, if you're doing that kind of every day, especially, or a busy season of five dives a day, even doing open water instruction, you should be on nitrox and you should really, really be slowing those ascents. You should be ultra conservative. No kidding. Like it, it's not just I've got I've I this is why I bought the best computer. Right? Your, be, Your computer the, ain't the best do computer is yet. just running a running a, a mathematical algorithm. It it doesn't 
take into account the human physiology and, you know, working in the sun all day and, and getting dehydrated. Yeah. And I think it gets uh, less applicable as you do more dives through the day. I mean, it's still going on a strict algorithm that I don't believe takes into account. Like even if you do the sit times and you do all the, you know, get your letter group and do, do your profile. I think it adds up even more. So molt on multiple dives per day, not, not just two or three dives. When you start to do the five or six in and out, in and out, in and out. I think, and day after day after yeah, day, especially that especially, residual. You, at some point, you have to learn how to see past that computer screen or see yeah. through that computer screen, you know, of, of what that display is telling you. And you gotta, you gotta like see into your body and know your body at some point. I think you would start feeling, you know, the subclinical signs too prior to that, which is get a little uh, fatigue, a little bit of maybe even a, a little fever coming. You know, it's flu-like symptoms. Right, and and that's what he was having with the sore, yeah. you know, sore shoulder earlier in the day. But it's the denial. Yeah, denial, baby. Not just a river in Egypt, baby. During all this downtime, I studied everything I could on the bends. At first, I thought it was amazing I'd gotten bent, but the more I studied, the more I realized <laughs> I should have been the amazing bent thing. Many times. <laughs> right, I should have been bent before. He says, since, since last January, I've completely healed and made many dives. Now, however, I stay within the no decompression limits. In retrospect, I learned more about diving on the day I got the bends than I'd learned in all my previous years of diving. Yeah, but it's not about staying within the no decompression limits. It's about decompressing properly. That's all. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I, I get the feeling... Um, you know, this story from the 90s might have been, you know, uh, handed to the editor and the, the editor, you know, added a little bit at the end here about, you know, dive within the no decompression limits. Don't forget to get your damn insurance. Don't, you know, you know, you know what I mean? You know, because it, it closes up by saying, if fear for your life won't make you dive the tables, perhaps this will. My treatment for the day cost me more than $8,000. Pretty scary, huh? That's like if, a, however, that's like a mixed gas dive these days. <laughs> <laughs> that's like one dive to 150 feet t- today with uh, with uh, helium in there. If you're still bent on getting bent, I'd try St. Mary's Hospital. They were great, and I'm sure they saved my life. I also suggest Divers Medical Insurance. I'm sure mine saved my boat, my house, and my TV. No, always a good idea to have that. Yeah. That you know, we use Dan, yeah. of course, but always good to have. But at the end of the day, understanding decompression from from the early days, I don't think is too much information for a for a new diver to comprehend. A basic understanding is nothing. Yeah. nothing. You you like gotta not, come up slow, man. <laughs> yeah, not just hey. You have to buy a computer. Don't let it go into the red zone. You'll yeah, be fine. It'll be bad. Just, just have the, just have a decompression discussion, so that you understand the big picture and realize I'm not ready for this end of it yet. That's why I'm still on this end, but I still have to decompress. It's not a, it's not a no decompression dive. It's a, every dive is a decompression dive. This we're we're just in the minimum stages of it, but we, you still have to do it. 
yeah, I think that's that is you know changing that nomenclature and and changing that that approach to teaching new divers would really have helped alleviate this. I don't know. I can't say 100% this would have been avoided, but if you walk away from the class with an understanding that, that you know decompression is required on every dive, it, there's no such thing as a no decompression dive, and um, the better you clean up as you, A, as you age, but a, B, as you have multiple dives in one day, you have to clean up even more at, at each sub subsequent dive. And I would go so far as to say that, you know, what a lot of people think are safe dives, because, you know, they go down to their little tropical resort destination and they're going to just, I'm only going to do, you know, 60 footers because I want to be safe. But they rock out, you know, five 60 foot dives and, and they're pegging that, they're pegging that computer no decompression limit right to the edge, you know, five dives a day and, and then come up to the surface for for a week straight of that i would say in many respects that's kind of more dangerous than going down and doing one dive to 180 feet it is it's way more dangerous it, yeah james it's time is is more of a uh impactual factor on on decompression than say the depth, depth itself right yeah and overall i mean yeah you start to increase both and you, you run into they're both equally yeah, I know we open up a can of worms when we when we say that, but you get where I'm, you get where I'm going, right? Yeah, exactly. And that I mean, that's what I I'm getting at. Over a five day period, you look at that sawtooth graph of you going up and down, up and down, up and down twenty five times, uh, and the residual nitrogen just keeps building up and building up because you've never eliminated, you've never gotten clean after any one of the single dives. So it just continues to grow as the week progresses. It takes a while to get, you know, five dives and you're doing them to 40, 50, 60 feet even. You're going to you're gonna just start adding up that residual nitrogen and it's still going to be there the next day when you go it, Especially if your ascent profile it's only stupid. involves yeah. coming up to 15 feet for a couple of minutes and then popping to the surface and doing no other intelligent decompression in addition to that, you're like, whoa, whoa. that's going to take its toll on you. Remember back when the 15-foot safety stop was implemented in, in there at Patty, and we, we had to start teaching all that? And, uh, I mean, the whole thing behind it, obviously, is they don't believe you can do a 30, 20, 10, or, because really coming up from that 10-foot is where you should take them at least a minute coming up from 10 feet to the surface uh, a minimum yeah. of 10 yeah 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 a minimum of, of a minute yeah like it's what happened back in the the 80s that they wanted to not use the decompression word anymore right you know so it's like hey just Nothing we're gonna do go these wrong. safety they're gonna do these safety stops we don't do decompression there's no decompression to do we're doing what what a safety a safety yes. stop's a good idea rather than just you know for the last you know, 40 years, why haven't we just been talking about the reality of decompressing after you've, you know, built up ambient pressure from around your body and you need to decompress that pressure to get to the surface? Let's just have the discussion. Yeah, the, the cursory, hey, watch, if I open this pop bottle, the carbon dioxide bubbles, right, will we'll come out of solution. So, well, let's look at what we have to do to open that bottle slowly and open it, close it, open it, close it. And that's you stopping on your way up. But I want to drink my Coca-Cola. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, reckless diving habits. 
can lead to near-death bends. I hope you guys learned about diving from that story we just told from a uh, 1992 skin diver. Um, Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Great Dive Podcast. Once again, this week, for being listeners, for supporting Manscaped, for donating to the show, for your ratings and reviews. We always have fun reading and uh, checking those out. And Brando, you ready to sign some logbooks? Sure. What um what is is this I thought this was Gatorade. What the hell what the hell is this in this Gatorade bottle? Let me give you special Gatorade. What what is this what is in this Gatorade bottle that's rolling around the bottom of the boat, you know, just half half full. I assumed it was a perfectly delicious only half finished uh-huh. bottle of Gatorade. Nobody's going to claim it. I'll get it. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando.